giving us a good night's rest and for waking us this morning with a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. We thank you, Lord, for watching over us. Thank you, Lord, for guiding and keeping us, Almighty God. Thank you, Lord, for supplying our needs and the desires of our heart. Lord, we thank you for health and strength. Thank you, Lord, for food, clothing, and shelter. Thank you, Lord, for the hope that you have given us. Oh, Lord, we thank you for all your promises. Oh, precious Savior and faith, we look to you today. We pray, Almighty God, that you touch every home that's represented here today, Lord. Mighty God, we pray in faith that you reach out and touch us today. Give us a fresh anointing today, Almighty God. Help us, Lord God, to receive all that you have in store for us. Lord, we ask in faith for a fresh anointing today, Almighty God. Help us, Lord God, to continue to grow in grace and in knowledge of you. Lord, in faith we pray for those that are on their way to worship with us. We ask, Lord God, that you give them traveling mercies. Help them, Lord, to get here safely that we may worship you in one accord. Lord, we ask in faith, Almighty God, that you touch the man of God today as he ministered to your people. Lord, give him a fresh anointing today, Almighty God. Oh, precious Savior, in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we look to you. Asking, Almighty God, that you bring to his remembrance all the things that you have prepared for your people. Lord, in faith, we pray for a fresh anointing upon our singers today, Lord God. Help them to minister to your people as of the ability that they have received from you. Lord God, we love you. We honor and adore you. We give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise today, Almighty Father. Oh, blessed be your holy name, Lord Jesus. Oh, what a mighty God you are. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hosanna be to you in the highest, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God, hallelujah.
we lift our hands and worship in this place if we know he's in the room here right now
seconds this morning. We love you, Jesus. Oh, we adore you, Lord. We adore you, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, for who you are this morning, oh God. Thank you, Lord God, for your blessings, oh God, for your mercies. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God, the Lord bless you. you may be seated if you can. Amen. Praise God. We want to take this time out to welcome everyone in the mighty name of Jesus. So glad to have everyone in the house of God to praise and to magnify the Lord with us this morning. We bring greetings to you all in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for coming out this morning. Amen. In spite of the weather outside, amen, we're here this morning. Amen. I think the last time I heard in Buffalo, they were getting close to six feet, between five to six feet of snow. And uh, they said they can handle it, you know. They're built for that. So I said, God bless you all. We pray for you all. <laughs> Amen. So you can keep it up there. We pray for you all. Amen. But we're here this morning, and indeed, um, we don't have to go through those inclement weather that you're going through. But in everything, we've got to give God thanks for. Amen. If you give us the six feet or five feet, we've got to take it and give thanks anyway. Amen. So we give thanks, and we thank God for being so good to us. Amen. We thank you. Just continue to worship the Lord with us. God's been good to us. 
Amen. Just continue to give the Lord your heart this morning. Amen. Minister Henry, come on up. Praise the Lord, everybody. He alone is worthy. Let me say it again. Praise the Lord, everybody. He alone is worthy. Amen. Amen. I greet you this morning in the name of Jesus Christ, our soon coming king. Amen. Even though it's so cold outside, everybody looks ready for service. Amen. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I was speaking to someone recently, and um, she told me that during the COVID, she went to a place to get some, some food. And she got her food, put it in the back of her car, and she saw someone, um, an another lady with a child, and they turned her back because she didn't have the ID to get it or whatever. So she was so moved. She went right up to her and she gave her whatever she got. And she said to me, this is the only Jesus that some people will know. So I want to just bring that to you and just um, make you aware that when you do good things, godly things for people, you are extending your Christ-like attitude to them. And they will, th this is some of them, as she rightly says, will, this is how they will see Christ. And this is what will cause them to draw closer. Amen? So we are supposed to be conscious of these things, especially entering into this season that we are entering into. Amen? Amen. I just want to bring that to you before we um, stand for the offering. Amen? I'm just going to invite you to stand. Amen. It's offering time. Amen. We have our two ushers here. And you may just take a look at the board and follow the instructions. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we love you, Lord. We thank you. You have blessed us. You continue to pour out blessings upon us, O oh God. And you can continue to keep us in spite of all that is happening, Lord Jesus. Lord, this morning... We just want to say thank you. And in saying thank you, we come with our tithes and offering, Lord Jesus. Bless those that have to give. Those that don't have to give, make a way so they will be able to give. As we continue to worship you and honor you and just say thanks in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Come forward with your tithes and offering, please.
Hallelujah. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. Amen. We serve the true and living God. There's only one God, and his name is Jesus. And we serve that true and living God. Amen. Welcome to Christ Center Church. Welcome to our 9 a.m. service. Good to have you in the house of the Lord this morning. Appreciate you all that made it out. I like this kind of weather, so when I wake up and the weather's like this, I say, yes. Just let the cold hit me in my face. I love it. Hallelujah. I love it. Amen. Brother Scarlett talked about Buffalo. Let me tell you something. The airport in Buffalo was only closed for three hours. They're getting six feet of snow, and their airport only closed for three hours. They're getting them in and out just the same because they handle it. That's what I'm talking about. They know what they're doing. They handle it. You get an inch down in um, South Carolina, and they might just die. Half an inch down in Georgia, and they shut everything down. Buffalo gets six feet, and it's like, yeah, okay, no problem. Let's go. Hallelujah. Strange, huh? Interesting. Don't forget, I want to continue to remind you, we don't have a lot of time, but our annual uh, church banquet is December 23rd. Um, we moved the venue from the Marriott in Princeton to KT Prime Restaurant here in Lawrenceville, New Jersey, right up Quickbridge Road. Um, we have a private room still, and um, we'll just enjoy one another's fellowship and company and some good food. So we'd like for you to go. Um, adults, um, it's $25, and um, if you're the ages between um, 11, 12, and 17, that's 15 bucks. And the age below that is free if you have to bring your kids. I know sometimes some people want to take the opportunity to have a good time without the kids. But if you can't have a good time without the kids, I understand. Hallelujah. But don't forget, make sure you make um, plans. Um, the um, Christmas banquet and the church picnic is always a time of giving back and just us enjoying one another in this church. We do it because we want to have the fellowship and invite someone. It doesn't have to be people um, from this church, but invite someone because sometimes people think church people don't have a good time. So when we have our banquet and we have our picnic, they realize, oh, okay, there's a difference in the church service and them, you know, being out. And so invite people out, um, but you got to get in quick because um, the space is limited. It's not like the Marriott where we can have a thousand people and it doesn't matter. This space is limited. So if, um, you know, it's going to be tough for you to last minute do it, but um, 25 bucks, can't beat that per person. We'd love to have you there and um, come out and have a good time. Amen. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. We're having two different speakers today. This morning at 9 a.m., we're having a minister, and at 1030, I'll be ministering, and we thank God for just raising up a church where he has sent us men and women of God that can really help the body to grow, that can minister to the body. And we thank God as we welcome this morning one of our ministers in this church, uh, Minister Isaiah Haskell. We want you to come and minister the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thanks. Amen. You know, I'm, um, I'm a little kind of still in the, in the spirit a little bit. One thing I was thinking uh, um, while Brother Scarlett was up playing, uh, I 
how much I really appreciate when him and, and, and uh, Deacon Josiah come up. Uh, and I appreciate them is because, you know, we worship and we sing and we speak to the Lord. But then when they come up, it's really a transition point where we ask you, if you just close your eyes and instead of just speaking, even if you know the song, you just think about the goodness of the Lord. It's a different type of worship. And I, I, you know, it just really hit me today. So I, I really do appreciate that. Amen. So while you're up, um, listen, I'm, I'm going to be out of your way in 30, 40. Well, I guess I got to be out. <laughs> but I'll be done when the spirit is done. Amen. So let's get to your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Mark. There, and that's the 15th chapter, verse 33. Amen. When you are there, that's not enough. Amens. All right. Okay. So, the book of Mark, uh, chapter 15, starting at verse 33, it says, Now, when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. In the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by uh, when they heard that said, Look, he is calling for Elijah. Then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him, saying, uh, let him alone. Uh, let us see if Elijah will come to take him down. Uh, and Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last he said truly this man was the son of god uh, there were also women looking on from afar among whom were mary magdalene mary the mother of jesus the less and of joseph and salome who also followed him and ministered to him when he was in galilee and many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. And I want to take my subject text from verse 39 that says, uh, when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out with a loud, uh, cried out like this and breathed his last and said, truly this man was the son of God. And I want to speak to you on a topic when opposites attract, when opposites attract, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, I understand you have called me for a message for this body, Lord God. God, I pray that you may increase as I decrease, Lord God. Open up the minds and the hearts of your people to receive the word, Lord Jesus. Let it be settling in our hearts and in our spirit, Lord God. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. The phrase, when opposites attract, 
it's oh too familiar to us. See, when you see two people that might be together, rather a partnership or in, 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 in some maybe friendship, uh, um, uh, but they can be two polar opposites, right? Instinctively, we credit this to this idea that opposites can attract. One psychologist puts it like this. There's no denying the idea that there's something in us drawn to people who counter our dominant inclinations with complementary tendencies. And while these tendencies can create uh, challenges in a friendship or, 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 or a partner relationship, these differences are the source to building chemistry. And it is because of this inclination to be attracted to or, or to be drawn to or to, to desire to, to understand those who are different than us, that we sometimes ask these questions. How did they get together? How did they become friends? And we ask these questions because even though we're drawn, right, to things that are, are different than us, we, we, we are in a fallen state, amen? And, and it's because of this fallen state that, that, that we look at external realities and we judge people based on external realities and, and, and we prejudge people based on external realities. Well, today I'm actually going to show you how this is also true when we read the Bible. There are four Gospels depicting the life of Christ. In each Gospel, writer writes with his own intention, his own purpose, his own reasoning for writing it. Uh, Matthew, he writes his Gospel because he wants his readers, his audience to know that Jesus is the Messiah. He's of the lineage of King David. This is why the Gospel of Matthew is the only gospel that starts off in the first chapter, the begots, the genealogy, because he wants to point the authors, the reader to Jesus to David. Mark, he's writing to show that Jesus is the suffering servant, that he is the one whom Isaiah writes about in uh, chapter 52 and 53, that Jesus has come to suffer for us. This is why the gospel of, of, of Mark gives the most detailed account about the cross. Luke, he's writing because he wants to make known that salvation has been made available to all. In particular, salvation is made available to women. This is why in the gospel of Luke, there are more mention, more stories of women than any other gospel. And then you have the gospel of John. 90% different than the other three Gospels because John has, has a different mission. John wants to let his readers know that Jesus is God in the flesh. This is why John says things like in John 10.30, I and my Father are one. This is why in the beginning of John, he talks about in the beginning was the Word, and Word was with God, and Word was God. John wants you to know that Jesus is God in the flesh. And while this is shocking to me, uh, but while every gospel writer had their own intentions when writing, 
they were all trying to answer this one question. Who is Jesus? And they all attempted to answer this question against the prejudice of their day. Because the people who you think, based on the cultural background of their day, the, the, the people who you think would have gotten the answer didn't. And the people who you would think wouldn't get the answer got the answer. Let me say it again in a different way. The people who were of high stature did not get the answer. But I'll tell you who got the answer. The blind man got the answer. The woman with the issue of blood got the answer. The lame, the crippled got the answer. Those people who were outcast, those were the people whom Jesus revealed himself to. The life of Christ shows us that while in 2022 we're so easily drawn to those we think fit the part of what is a good Christian, uh, what is a good person, who is more like me. Jesus, get this, Jesus was drawn to those whom the religious community of his day cast out and looked over. And the greater irony is this, the religious leaders are trying to figure out who Jesus is, even though God had already confirmed whom he is. Some looking like, okay, tell me more, brother, tell me more. Well, in Matthew chapter 3, we read about the baptism of Jesus. It, 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 it said there was a voice and there was this, uh, the spirit descended down like, like, like a dove. And a voice said, this is my son in whom uh, uh, I'm, be- I'm beloved and I'm well, well pleased. And, and I, I don't have the time or the assignment today to really break down into that while some people uh, wrongfully think that it's the example of the Trinity. In short, what it is is that God confirming the incarnation and the human ministry of Jesus. Yet many did not listen. Be careful for looking for answers that God already gave. Be careful when you hear the preached word and you know in your spirit that it is for you, but you ignore it. If you truly are filled with God's spirit, And one of the the missions or the ministry of the Holy Spirit is conviction. Be careful when the Spirit is convicting you and telling you what you're doing is not of God and you ignore it. See, See, Jesus only goes to the cross because the religious leaders failed to listen and take heed to what God said. Get this. This is important. This is important. The easiest way to crucify Christ in your life is for you to ignore what he has already said and did. The Bible tells us that, 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 that we're to pick up our cross and to follow Christ because we're to die to self. But, but when the reverse happens, we are not only telling Christ to follow us, but we're also declaring that God is not alive. So, so, so when you are, you're at a place and you say, God, I, I, 
I'm doing everything that I, I, I know to do, but my, my heart is still troubled. I take one step forward and get knocked back two steps. Everything in my life is flipped upside down. Ask yourself, are you crucifying God in an area of your life? See, you cannot prosper in your life while God suffers. Let me say it again. I'm going to say it again. You cannot prosper in your life while God suffers in your life. The, the, the Bible tells us that we, we, we are uh, joint heirs with God. We're joint at God's mission. We're, 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 yeah, I think of it, uh, I was watching a documentary not too long ago about um, the first uh, Sim- uh, Siamese twins. These are twins that are physically joined together. And that's the image that com- comes to my mind, that, that, that we're physically joined together. And, and, and just like the Siamese twins where one cannot walk without the other, right? When you say, I'm going to follow Christ, where you go, he goes. And where his will takes you, you go. And in our text, Jesus has entered the final portion of his ministry. And we have the privilege of looking back some 2,000 years or so later, and we can say that he had a successful run, three-year run. And we can also say he had a successful life because he was God in in the flesh. But I always like to think, but what, what would the people of his time say about Jesus? Maybe they would have said that he could have been a great person had he got had he not got caught up with the wrong crowd. Maybe they would have said he could have been a good person had he listened to authority. I don't know about you, but this stuff sounds very familiar to me. Maybe they they would have said that 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 had he gone left, he would have turned out much better. Can we get an amen? See, see, Jesus is on a cross, he's in agony, unspeakable pain, and someone gave him a sponge to quench his thirst. Let me say it again, different way. Jesus is on a cross, in agony, and someone gave him something to lessen his suffering, to comfort him as he suffered. See, some people still don't get it. The point that I'm making is that it is easier to comfort someone in their struggle than it is to help lessen their struggle. See, the person who would have given him the drink would have been a centurion who had the means to help more. But he knew if he did more, it would have gotten him in trouble. Sometimes we're only willing to help someone to the extent that it hurts us. And if we're being honest, there are people in our lives whom we will send up prayers for, but we can't meet a financial need. There are people struggling in our lives for we'll pray for them, but for some, praying is a lot easier than a phone call. And and if we're going to to follow Jesus, let let me backtrack. See, uh, in certain Christian groups, you know, we're told that... uh, 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 that to help someone until it hurts, it, it, it's unhealthy, right? In fact, and, and, and I took some, some psych classes, in, in, in modern-day psychology, what will actually support this, 
but we're Christians. And the model of Jesus, right, is contrary to that. Jesus helped us so much that it literally killed him. Amen. But the text says that after Jesus uh, was given the wine, they said, leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah will come. In other words, let's see if he can get out of this without our help. In a lot or most situations, you have the person who who needs help. Then you have the onlooker who can provide some level of help. And in both cases, uh, both parties are often confused about their roles in that situation. In one scenario, you have the person whom life itself has nailed you to the cross. Uh, You're not at the cross willingly. And if you could be anywhere else, you would gladly be there. Mm, If that's you, you don't got to say amen. I already know. I already know. You, 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 you are at this place where, where you go to church, you clap your hands, you worship, but on the inside, you're dying. You're crying out for help, but you're too prideful to tell anyone. You, 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 it makes you depressed when you get home and you know that this burden that you're carrying is too heavy for you. But then you had the other person, the onlooker. You don't say anything, but they see the hurt. They see the pain. They have discernment. And they don't help. They fight with the Lord. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be nosy. I don't, I don't want to be overwhelming, overbearing. Should I intervene? God sent me to tell you today, take heed to his spirit. Jesus, the Lord is really speaking to me right now. And there are people in here that are hurting. You came in here this morning and you are absolutely hurting. And it was literally by the grace of God that you woke up this morning. It is by the grace of God. And you're going to go home and you're going to cook. And this is not in my notes. This is just something I really feel the Lord is telling me to, to, to say. You're going to cook a Sunday dinner. You're going to hug your kids with a broken heart. The Lord wants you to know to share that burden. That the power of the church that we can share each other burdens. If we cannot do that, then we are not the church. Amen. The text says that Jesus was giving wine. He was giving wine. You see, Without going into detail about what was on the wine and the and, and, and the sponge, the wine of that day was something that was uh, 
uh, it had a, a, a stingy taste to it. Actually, uh, it mixed with eggs, or, or like rotten eggs. So Jesus is suffering, and someone who thought he or she was doing a good job gave him something that actually made it worse. And again, off notes right now. But there's somebody in here that you, you, you are weary about your Holy Ghost. And you don't know, or you're wondering, could I be a more of a burden? Is it the Lord speaking or is it me? Take heed to God's spirit. You're in here and you're wondering that how is it I cannot do this on my own? God sent me here to tell you. That there's only one person who has ever walked this earth that needed no help. And his name is, his name is, say it loud so your neighbor can hear you. His name is, (laughs) and God needs no help. See, I remember I was at a service in 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 uh, a long time ago at a place I won't say, uh, a part of this country I won't say. But the pastor said that uh, you know we we uh, uh, we need to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Who the pastor said, and that God helps those who help themselves. And that, that, that kind of thinking, that, that, that kind of preaching, right, that, that, that it indirectly causes us to allow people to suffer in silence. And it is actually a very popular view, again, within certain churches. But it's also, I think, one of the most unbiblical views in the church today. Because not only does the Bible not teach this, but the Bible teaches the exact opposite, that God help the helpless. It's clear that the individual who helped Jesus was not aware of Jesus' teaching. But, but, but that's not all we get from this text. See, normally when, when reading this portion of text, we mention how the veil of the temple was torn. And then we rewrite over one of the most, what I think at least, important texts of this part in Scripture. In verse 39, it says, then the centurion who stood opposite him saw the way Jesus cried. He said, truly, this man was the son of God. And to really appreciate what is going on, I, I, I have to give you some background. I mean, just teach for a little bit. During the time of the Roman Empire, that's the time where, where, where Jesus is, 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 is walking, where the apostles are writing from, uh, there's a man on the scene uh, who goes by the name Son of God. This is before Jesus. 
Someone on the scene goes by the name God incarnate, Savior of the world. And these titles were given to that of Caesar Augustus. Savior of the world, not because he rose from the dead, not because he healed the blind, but because he saved Rome from a 20-year war and famine. And so he was crowned Savior of the world. And so Jesus, this is relevant because Jesus comes on the scene, and he's, he's saying that, I am the son of God, that I am the savior of the world. He's saying that, that I am God in flesh. Now, now, the Romans wouldn't care if he's just talking about the Jews. But Jesus is declaring to be God of all flesh. And for Rome, this is disrespectful. Caesar Stopped the war. Caesar brought, brought wealth to, the, to our nation. Who are you and what did you do? See, sometimes you really got to do some studying to understand the backstory of what's going on in the Bible that we read. It is, it's important because it really helps put it into perspective what's being said and how you actually apply it to your life today. And so for this Roman, this centurion who sees Jesus on the cross, he is seeing this man who is assuming these divine titles to the emperor whom he was actually trained to worship. To be a Roman centurion, you're a captain. Centurion just means captain. You're a captain of a unit of 80 or so men. You are taught to look down on, to Jew, on the Jew, to despise the Jew. Uh, 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 the Jew to you is just a second-class citizen. Everything about this general's life and upbringing has told him to despise the Jew. But something happened to this military uh, general. As he sees Jesus on the cross, as he sees his endurance, as he sees his pain, the Bible says that he stood opposite him. Some translations say he stood near, close to or something like that. And, 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 and this is because to stand opposite of someone is to stand next to them. Furthermore, in context, opposite has a twofold meaning. For the centurion, to stand opposite of Jesus, yes, it's referring to his physical position of Jesus. But it also refers to his perception of Jesus. The closer he got to the cross, the closer he got to the agony, the closer he got to the man, his perception changed. He challenged years and years of stereotypes because he got close to the one he was actually stereotyping. One psychotherapist named Steve D. Shazor said this. 
where you stand determines what you see and what you do not see. It determines also the angle you see it from. A change in where you stand changes everything. Who are you standing opposite to that you fail to see them? At one point in my life, I was a huge basketball fan. I mean, crazy. I remember uh, being in church, right? And only a few people uh, know this, are being, are being in church. And um, like God bless Paris and all those who have balance with sports because I didn't. I remember there were three of us at, at, at CCF, and we would be in church, and sometimes Pastor Naylor, he preached three hours. And, and, um, <laughs> and, and, and I had a timer to let me know that the game is coming on. And so uh, 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 it, will, it, will, it will go off about, about 20 minutes or so, and there was three of us, and a lot of times I would sit in the front. And, and when the timer go off, I look back, and we had like a cold. It was... You know, it, it was just two nods, like, we want to get ready to get out of here. It, 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 it was so bad, right, that I remember it was a good service one day. It was, and this is, this was, thank God for deliverance. Uh, 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 it was a good service one day, and I'm, I'm at the altar, and I'm just crying. I'm crying. And, 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 <laughs> and I'm, caught up in, I'm caught up in the spirit, and I just get a vibrate. And, and I just look up, like, I'm sorry, God. <laughs> I got to go. <laughs> And I felt so bad that I had to leave the Lord. And I said, I'll be back. I'll be back. I'll be back. <laughs> well, so one day I go to California and, 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 and um, I go to see uh, um, one of my favorite teams play. And I won't say the game, right? But, um, but uh, during this game, uh, it was, oh, man, Steph was killing it, right? And in and, the and third quarter, um, he, makes, uh, he makes a shot, and, and he gets fouled, but, but, but no one, they didn't call the foul. And so everyone went crazy, right? Now, I'm, I'm way at the top, right? And so I'm hot. I'm like, I threw everything but myself on the floor. Oh, we was going crazy, right? About uh, two days later, and I'm not going to say the, 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 the game, this is why. About two days later, right, CNN shows the footage of the game, right? And so guess who is in the actual footage? And I have, like, this popcorn in my hand, and I'm like this, about to throw the popcorn on the floor. Now, skipping past that, when they actually replayed it, there was actually no file at all. So we all got worked up for nothing. I got worked up for nothing. And the reason is because it's hard to see the file when you're in the nosebleed. But if you get floor seats, you can see if that foul was legitimate. A lot of our issue is that we won't take a floor seat to someone we're judging. We won't allow our perspective to change. See, see, 
It's easy to judge someone who you are not standing next to. It's easy to talk about and judge someone who missed a few services if you don't stand opposite of them. To stand opposite, it is more than just empathy. It is sharing space with someone you don't understand, someone who don't understand you, and maybe someone you even hate. To stand opposite is to allow your perspective to change. And, 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 and for those, maybe uh, Brad, Tom, we talk about this all the time, and I, I, I look at a lot of the data concerning where the American Christianity is today. And if you look at the data, you see that the church attending is just going down numbers. And this happened before COVID. This is not because of COVID. It is a steady trend. Uh, you know, we, we went from being a 75% devoted Christian nation, um, and we're under 50% now. And when you look into generations, it's even worse. It's scarier. And I believe this is because in America, we have become known for speaking about people that we don't speak to. That everyone knows what we are against, but very few people know what we're for. The most commonly used word in scripture that details Jesus' mood is compassion. And it's not simply just an emotional state where you pray and cry, though that is or can be included. Uh, 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 but compassion is to take steps to reduce someone else's pain. It is to see someone hurting, someone suffering, someone whose life has been turned completely upside down, and it's to say, how can I bring stability to them? How can I help them? How can I reduce their suffering? John said, if you have this world's goods, resources, and you see your brother in need, but you shut your hearts from him, how can the love of God dwell, dwell in you? See, for some of us, God has not enlarged our territory because we have no compassion. We have no testimony of being there for someone who needed it the most. In the book of Mark chapter 2, we read that the Bible uh, tells us that Jesus saw uh, Levi, known as Matthew, and then he told him to follow him. Next, we read that Jesus is in Mark's house uh, where they had dinner and sinners in, uh, with, with sinners and tax collectors. So it's interesting to me that the tax collectors uh, and sinners are in two different categories, yet both seem to be in opposition to the Pharisees. Now, we know what sinners is referring to. Uh, by sinners, uh, they are just outside of God's law. But, but, but what of tax collectors? See, back then, a tax collector would be a Jew. A Jew who was sent by Rome to collect taxes for Caesar. So even though he's a Jew, even though he is called of God, even though he's part of God's people, if you're a tax collector, you would get judged for being a sellout. You would be discriminated against. 
So today we know who the center is today. But I'm convinced that today the tax collectors are the people that, yes, they may be saved, uh, but you put up with them. You don't necessarily like them. They don't collect taxes from you, but maybe they just collect energy from you. Oh, come on, somebody. Maybe they collect frustrations from you. They're not sinners, but to you, their behavior gets you so bothered that they're right next to a sinner. Opposites. People you can't stand because they always want something. Here's what's more interesting about this story. Jesus calls Matthew, tells him to follow him, and then they go to Matthew's house. Let me say it again. Jesus calls Matthew, new convert, and says to follow me, only to follow Matthew to a dinner party with sinners. See, today, because we're so religious, we have said that Jesus went there to be evangelistic. But Jesus mentions no parables, no sermons, no wise words, no miracles. He mentions nothing about the kingdom at all. See, see, the destination is not the highlight of that story. The highlight of the story is the creator of the world is following someone whom he told to follow. See, Jesus is there because he's setting the example that to follow him is to chase, to follow after the opposite. The centurion man who hated Jesus, worshipped the Roman son of God, stood opposite of Jesus. And when he saw his pain, he said, surely this man was the son of God. The centurion came to the revelation of God because what is true then is true now regardless of creed, race, and denomination. One thing that we all have in common is this one word that starts with a P, and that is pain. We're all connected through pain. And this can be true. This is true throughout all human history. See, up until 1941, before the Holocaust, the official German policy was to encourage the Jew to leave by making life for them hard. They couldn't work in certain professions, couldn't rent or own homes in most towns, nor keep money in the bank. This created a worldwide immigration and refugee problem. Uh, millions of Jews were welcomed nowhere and could not be assimilated anywhere. Even the United States denied refugees entrance, citing economic concerns of the Great Depression and immigration quotas. No country besides the Dominican Republic will welcome the Jew. However, in time, as inhumane treatment against the Jews increased, democratic countries started to forego their quota to allow the refugees to enter, as the historian uh, Jay Adams says, that it became too inhumane to ignore. 
me bring it a little closer home. On May the 2nd, uh, 1963, in Birmingham, Alabama, over 1,000 black students skipped schools to formulate what became known as the Children's March. They marched for desegregation, and on this day, the local police unleashed dogs on them, beat them with clubs, and sprayed them down with water hose. Fortunately, all of this was caught on tape by the media, and for the first time ever, non-blacks got to see, while at their house on TV, the vile mistreatment of African Americans. It is after this event that many historians agree is what moved the then uh, president, John F. Kennedy, to support the Civil Rights Bill. In other words, he stood opposite to those whom he was taught to view as less than. Opposite. Those who you dare to stand close to. Opposite. Those who you dare to welcome that are different than you. And as I close, can we please stand? So in our text, there were women followers. And it says that they were uh, looking afar. The followers of Jesus stood afar. But the centurions had to get close. See, we are in a bad place when the unsaved wants to be closer to Jesus than the saved. Because sometimes you just have to get close. And one of the dangers with not coming to church, with not being connected to the saints of God, that you become too far and you become okay with looking afar and you never say, I gotta get close. And I have all heads bow. In the Bible, there's a woman in the Old Testament goes by the name of Hagar. And she is uh, uh, the first woman to dare, the first person to dare to give God a name. An Egyptian slave woman. She gives God a name. And she called him Elroy. You are the God who sees the Lord sent me here today with this message to let you know that you may be insignificant to some you may be walked over by others you may be walked past and through by by others but God sees you God sees you God sees you And in the last few minutes, I want you to exit, do an exercise.
I want everyone, hands at your side, and have your hands open. And I want you to imagine that there's a hand on top of your hand. And that hand is someone whom you have chosen to not stand opposite to. That hand is someone who you know that deep down, that even if they're in the house of God, when you see them, it makes you angry. That you are so not okay with them, but you refuse to stand opposite. You refuse to allow your perspective to change. Maybe this exercise is, is, is not about who you treated like an opposite, but, but who treated you or who didn't treat you like an opposite. So, someone who you know that doesn't like you. Someone who you know that your relationship is broken because of a misunderstanding. And right now, symbolically, I want you to squeeze that hand. See that person or persons. See them. And won't you pray? Won't you, won't you, won't you devote two minutes of praying for that person, for those people? God, we're not perfect. Lord, we've been hurt and we have hurt it. God, I pray right now, Lord Jesus, that you, oh God, may give me eyes to see, Lord. Change my perspective, oh God. God, for the blood that was shed on Calvary, Lord God, it was shed, oh God, not just for me, Lord, not just for my transgressions, oh God, but it was, it was shed, oh God, for those people, Lord God, that I refuse to stand opposite to. Oh, I dare you, I dare you this morning, I dare you this morning to get beside yourself, to lay down pride, to lay down your ego. I dare you, see that person this morning and say, I apologize. Oh God, give me the courage to help. Give me the courage, oh God, to see them as you see them. Give me the courage to minister to them, Lord God. Heal, oh Father God, the broken relationship, Lord Jesus. God, help me to be your hands and your feet, Lord Jesus. Touch my heart, oh God. Make it like yours, Lord Jesus. Oh God, for this burden, Lord God, I can't carry anymore, Lord God. I surrender my will unto you, Lord Jesus. Help me, God. Help me, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. One more minute. Let's just close our eyes and think about the goodness of Jesus. If you have no other reason to change your perspective, just think about the goodness that God has, has done in your life right now. If that's not enough reason, there's no other reason that can be given to you. Thank you for coming out and being with us this morning.
You are all a part of God's family. We all need each other. And I dare you to walk out and be a different person than you came in. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.